Welcome to the EuroCleo podcast, Pastime Talking in Teaching History. My name is Andreas Holtbregen. I'll be your co-host for today's episode, which will be about one of EuroCleo's projects, uh, which is about online teaching in the Visegrad region. I'm joined by uh, my excellent colleague, Adam Dagevich. Welcome, Adam. You've been working on this project now uh, since you joined EuroCleo uh, last year. Could you tell me a bit more about what it is that you are doing in this project and what your aims are and where you're currently at? Yes. Uh, hi, Andreas. It's good to be back on the podcast. The Online Teaching in the Visegrad Region project, funded by the International Visegrad Fund, aims at increasing the digital resilience among teachers and educators in the region. How significant is that we particularly witnessed during the pandemic when teachers had to switch to online or hybrid forms of teaching. Even once teachers are able to teach face-to-face -face again, uh, digital tools became a significant part of teaching methods. And as one of the project outcomes, we developed a teacher's guide, which will discuss and present practical strategies uh, for engaging students in online lessons, finding useful resources, and maintaining the human connection. I mean, of course, this this project it also sort of builds a bit on on past uh, experiences of EuroCleo working uh, on yeah similar projects. There is the Learning to Disagree project that also informed a bit how this was set up, um, and I think we should also mention that the um, online teaching in the Visegrad project will have a follow up starting uh, later this this year in 2023, if everything goes well. Of course, we hope so. Um, uh, so Adam, I I wanted to ask you a question as well here because you've you're you're from Poland. Um, you've gone to school in Poland, um, and one of the things that this project has been trying to do is also to create um, lesson activities, lesson plans, of course, including online ones about the shared socialist past of these countries that are form part of the Visegrad uh, group. And that in some ways might also be a little bit new. I want to ask you directly from your experience as a student, did you learn anything about that period of, of history and how it was like in the other, your neighboring countries in Slovakia or in Hungary or in Czechia, for instance? Yeah, I think this is a really valid question also because practically speaking, not much is being said about the experience of, of Central Europe for instance, in Polish textbooks. Mm. Whenever there is a broader scope focusing on history outside Poland, it's mostly considered Western Europe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also the crucial value standing behind this project and for teachers to use the translated uh, materials to have a more common understanding of the, of the past. Because we talk a lot about being Central Europeans, uh, having a some common history as well. I think it's very crucial to translate also this feeling into practice, especially within educational systems. Great. And I mean, I do also think that there could be a use for these uh, lesson plans even outside of the region. Um, it is, I think, a period that does come up, at least it is on, on the curriculum in some countries. And I suspect that there isn't all that much teaching materials developed around that uh, region and that period uh, elsewhere. So uh, hopefully it could also be useful for teachers based elsewhere, be it in uh, the Netherlands or Spain or Finland for that matter. So we encourage uh, our listeners to have a, have a look on Historiana and to, to see what is there. Um, I think crucially what you mentioned also, these 
lesson plans have been developed in transnational teams. So there also is this multi-perspective um, approach to, to how they have uh, been made. Well, with that, let's get to it. And we, we speak to two um, team members that were part of the, of the group developing the study guide and the lesson activities. Uh, so we have with us Helen Snelson based in, uh, in England and uh, Katarina Pisutova in Slovakia. So let's get to it. Helen Snelson, you're a teacher trainer based in York, University of York in England. You're a Euroclio ambassador. You've worked on many projects with Euroclio in the past. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here this afternoon. Katarina Pisutova, you are e-learning coordinator at the Comenius University in, in Bratislava, and you've been working together with, with colleagues, including Helen, but also colleagues from all across the Visegrad region on this particular project, online teaching in the Visegrad region. So welcome to you too. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So I would like to begin by asking, what is the purpose of this teacher guide? What kind of issues or challenges does it address in history education? Let me start with that one then. I think really what we wanted to do was to take stock, to reflect, if you like, on the experience of digital learning that had happened during the COVID pandemic and not to lose the, the positives of that experience now that most teachers are actually back to face-to-face to -face learning um, all the time. And to, to state the obvious, we live in a, a digital world and schools just cannot ignore this world, which has been if you like, somewhat accelerated by the, the pandemic. And there are things which are really big issues for all of us, but specifically for young learners in, in our context, which is how can we know what is true in the in the digital world? There's there's so much information out there. How do we sift it? How do we sort it? And I think things are different in the digital space in relation to how can we know what is true than were perhaps when you know, when I was young and I'm now in my in my early 50s when you know things were paper it was much harder to to actually fake and, and change things than it is today but I also um, want to be quite specific to history here I think some of the challenges of the pandemic learning in many places were that we saw a lot more teacher talk and a lot less pupil talk happening on in the online world and we also found that a lot of teachers found it easier to teach about the what of history. So the what of the past, if you like, what happened, what were the events, who were the people, that sort of thing. And colleagues were finding it harder to teach the how historians work with the past, the how of history, if you like. So how historians work with evidence, how historians ask questions of the past to create historical knowledge how they create their evidence-based interpretations, how we analyze those, how we evaluate those. And we found that lots of teachers were saying, that's harder to do in the online space. But we also discovered that it can be done and we wanted to really share some of that learning. And the Historiana e-activity builder is, is one vehicle to enable pupils in history to really learn about what I would call the how of history, the how do we do history, not just what happened in the past, and to do that online. So the teacher guide is, is seeking to be incredibly practical and to define what high quality online learning looks like. 
in the context of the research and the literature, of course, but actually really focusing on being a, a highly practical guide for, for very busy teachers because colleagues are massively busy. And also we wanted to provide plenty of examples to, to inspire colleagues to, to think within their context. Um, so that would be how I think the, the purpose was envisaged in the first place. But um, Katrina, I don't know what you want to, to add to that. I would just maybe summarize it very, very, very briefly. Um, we we think we have an idea what is a good teaching in a in the classroom. Being a good teacher, it doesn't. It is it is a skill, and as we found out during pandemic, being a good teacher online, it requires little different tools and different tricks uh, than being a good teacher in the classroom. So. I believe the purpose of this guide is to help people to be to be good teachers in online environment. And it offers some methodology, it offers tips and tricks, and it offers like ready-made activities. So it's everything in there. So I I, I believe it's a it's a great thing. And these these ready-made activities, if I, if I can ask, they are really touching on a particular topic, right? They are they are about the socialist period of, but. The guide itself, does it also sort of, as Helen was talking about, lays out a step-by-step -step guide for how to do good online teaching? Perhaps a question to Helen then. Do you see yourself also being able to use this in a in a, in a a context where you're working in, in England? Yes, I think certainly so, because while I completely agree with Katrina, there are very practical differences to being online. There are there are quite a lot of similarities in the, in the planning processes between online and face-to-face, -face, and I think uh, the guide really helps show that. So firstly, whatever your context in terms of whether you're entirely online or whether you're ent entirely face-to-face -face and you're just perhaps thinking of students working on their own online or whether you're blending your teaching, um, then then yes, I think you can. But also, although the most of the examples are taken from the the, the projects that, we, that we've done because, of course, they were there and we worked with teachers to create those the principles behind everything are, are very much more general and also much more general are the sections for example on tips and tricks for for keeping students engaged which I know we'll come back to shortly um, so yes certainly in the short answer that uh, there is, hopefully it's working on three levels I would say one a very sort of uh, general thinking level about what teaching is secondly um, very practical ideas that have wider application and then thirdly the examples may be specific to the Visegrad region but they are examples and hopefully every teacher can think ah in my context I could adapt that. Yeah I think it's really interesting to, to witness how the um, educational landscape has changed in recent uh, years and Katarina can you tell us a bit more about the state of digital learning in Slovakia uh, what are the opportunities and, and barriers for mm. the implementation of online teaching? Sure I could maybe more focus on like a case study of uh, the university I work for. Communist University is the is the largest university in Slovakia. It's a public university with about 25,000 students. Before pandemic at, at our university and generally in Slovakia, the problem with online learning at universities was that it was treated as a technical issue. Like we give you computers, we give you internet and the online learning will happen. And it wasn't happening too much just like that because 
it requires it's a, it's a lot of work to prepare good online materials if people are not motivated or paid for it they won't do much much of it and there's also it requires a know-how not just knowing how to how to work with the computer or with the internet but also knowing how to go about it so the the level of or number of online courses was was really low we had at our university about 10 percent of teachers who were at least attempting some hybrid courses who were even playing with uh, with the tools and trying to do some activities online. Then now after the pandemic, the numbers are staying high. We did a little survey in June 2022 at our university and 44% of teachers and 56% of students told us that they are involved still in some form of online, online learning, online activity. So that's really high. However, concerning the quality of what is happening, that is questionable because still we have many people who think that simply taking what they do in the classroom and dump it online will do the trick. And it, you know, recording a three hour long lecture and put it put it online for students is not engaging or great quality online learning. It's long, students get lost, they, they lose attention. It's not great. So we still... After the pandemic, we have people more aware about teaching online being possible and more aware that it could be a useful tool, but there is still lots of lots of work to do to teach people how to do it well. It's not that some people wouldn't be doing it well, they do, but there are many who don't understand how it could be done. So just to, if I may follow up directly with you on that one, what is it then that makes a quality online or, or even blended learning something valuable for a student? The, the one word answer would be engagement. It makes a good quality teaching in a classroom and it makes good quality teaching online. However, online environment is, is different. The teacher doesn't control environment like they do in the classroom. And the interactions, because like engagement consists of, of interaction, there are interaction with students with content, there are interactions with teacher and students, and there are interactions between the students. Especially the the interaction between students in classroom happens naturally. The teacher doesn't have to do anything about it. However, in online environment, it needs more effort to get to get students more more engaged. And uh, in the teachers' guides, there are tips and tricks. There are activities. There is lots of advice on how to engage students in online environment. Yeah, it's about. Uh, I think what we've heard from many people talking to to teachers who've been going through this pandemic period is that they really struggled to get students to even you know turn on the camera or to have any kind of interaction and you you never really knew if they were there paying attention or any of that sort so yeah this this it's interesting to hear your your thoughts on how that can be addressed in sort of a step-by-step way of yes. of adapting it online yeah I mean, do you want me to just to sort of add into there because i completely agree with katrina that I think colleagues were perhaps a little bit overawed by the technology in the past, and hopefully the pandemic times have taken us a little bit past that. But the idea that we started with technical solutions, because actually in one way I would say, trust yourselves out there, teachers. You know how to to plan great teaching. And in the same way as actually face-to-face, when you're online, you still have to think about what am I trying to achieve with this learning? What's Mm. the best way to do it? And how will I know we've achieved it? And actually, where is this particular learning fitting into the wider context? So in some ways, those things are the same, but absolutely echo what Katrina says about how 
different the actual way that you achieve really good learning and can be online because you do lose that relational aspect in the classroom as it just be able to as you say when the cameras are off you can't look them in the eyes and and with force of personality draw people in so what we've tried to do in the guide is is gather together the collective learning of lots of people from across the continent about how to increase engagement and and also perhaps then to to also focus on some of the the gains of the online because I don't know a school teacher that's missing face to face. I mean, it's thinking, oh, gosh, I wish we could go back to online. But I do know people who say, but there were positives that we don't want to lose. And I think some of that flexibility, some of the chance to to learn any place, anywhere, if you like, is a, yeah. is a real positive that we can perhaps sell to, to, to young people quite heavily as well. And also the fact that they can they can pace themselves, that we can perhaps nurture an independence, that they could really delve into something that interests them. We can say hey you're not limited by what we're doing in the classroom you could take this further if it fascinates you Mm. Uh, I think those are real opportunities the project has also developed a series of e-learning activities uh, focusing on the topic of socialist period in the region which are also referenced in the guide and available also on Historiana so I was also wondering what do you think is the role of these online resources and methods in achieving and obtaining a more transnational and multi-perspective view of history across the region. Yes, I believe these these activities, besides like besides content and information in them, they also include like these little games, little activities for students to do with students. There is also a space for teacher to to like pick and choose which activities they will do, and. Also, if they want to teach something else, they can use this as aspiration. It's 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 example. It's something that can be taken and used, and it's also something that can be just reviewed for aspiration and then use their own content and include games and activities similar to what is in in these activities. You've made uh, several, uh, or the team working on this has made uh, different kinds of learning activities, e-learning activities that are part of. The study guide and also on Historiana, like Anna mentioned. Yeah, perhaps a, a question sort of to Helen specifically, but what kinds of online environments and online source banks and uh, yeah, online spaces do you think is interesting now for teachers to look at? I think there's been a real acceleration in collections of, of sources from, from big institutions. And I would, and I think we've done this in the guide, really encourage colleagues out there to lean on those and use those because Firstly, teachers are incredibly busy and they haven't got time to be finding sources from scratch. Obviously, in in the sphere of something like um, the socialist period, there are lots of very sort of popular sources that are well known that keep coming up. But actually, what we want to do is encourage colleagues to be able to look at sources from many different perspectives. We want colleagues to be able to help their students to see Sources, not just as individual things, but also to think about a collection of sources. And crucially, both teachers, if their subject knowledge is is of a particular area, is not so strong, but certainly the students need the context to those sources as well. And there are various institutions that are doing a lot of work to try and gather together um, source collections. I mean, of which Euroclear is obviously one with, with Historiana and the source collections. But there are others. I mean, for example, the German history documents and images or Europeana, 
the British Library's been doing a lot of work. And although some of these places are, I mean, obviously the British Library is located in a geographical space, actually the collection of these institutions are incredibly international and diverse. So you can get, they're very aware of putting together source collections from many perspectives as well. So I think that's the main thing I would say, that that actually teachers don't have to do this themselves. Obviously, if they've got fabulous local sources or they know of things, that's great. Mm. But there's a lot of help out there now, which is fantastic. And hopefully, you know, Euroclear will go on curating this material. I think we will, yes. And uh, I mean, it's also partly uh, an issue of time, right? That it's hard to for a teacher to really, for each and every lesson, to do so much research and find lots of stuff. It's always a, a helpful tool, I think, to have these kind of like collections of collections, if you like, and be able to point people in the right direction where they can find things that are a bit more curated and a little bit more plug and play for those teachers who don't have in each lesson so much time. Yeah, completely. And I just add that one of the, I think, the joys of the project has been actually getting people together from the different countries, because then they've been able to sort of say, oh, we want something on, say, youth participation during the time of socialism, and then everybody can go back to their own particular country and and find things as well which may not be in the international domain yet uh, and so and that's a real strength i think something that has been facilitated through this project and hopefully will continue to be in projects i just wanted to ask you moving forward uh, how do you hope uh, this study guide and the online teaching in the Visegrad region project as a whole will contribute to the development of new practices among educators and, and teachers, how to sustain the increasing attention given to the digital tools in the classroom? Well, I I believe that large amounts of teachers will, will actually look at it and will use it. But also for, for ongoing, I believe there is a plan that there will be resources in Historiana will, will grow. So even though People will go from this guide to Historiana, find something. A few years later, they find hopefully something else. So I see there might be perspective for this to grow. And But definitely people need help to, to figure out how to work online in a good way so that it's it contributes to, to like critical thinking and to, to good learning for, for students. Yes, I agree. I think some of the principles will remain current for a reasonably long time that we've got in the guide and hopefully as as uh, Katerina says things people will get driven towards Historiano and where we'll have an ever-growing amount of material but also because this guide takes people through how to use the activity builder as well hopefully it will be not just the, the source collections but how to use source collections in a in a way which really promotes high quality history teaching which of course is is what we all want to do just this morning there was a a message from a colleague from albania uh, actually very much about the need to teach the socialist period in albania so obviously that's stepping outside this region but how wonderful that we've got a small snowball if you like in terms of four countries where we've got materials about living under socialist rule that we can roll that snowball further and both add examples from other countries with socialist rule in the same period but also develop more from each of those countries i think i think the potential is that is there now we've got this basis to to grow and if you like plug on more which would be great absolutely and uh like you mentioned before also this this guide is hopefully uh just one step in the way also for people to 
yeah, if they're working on completely different topics, they might still find something inspiration in terms of the methodology and how do you go about making uh, something online or blended. I very much share your hope that uh, it might snowball into something bigger and people will keep on adding on activities and and uh, we'll hear from others' experiences about how online teaching can be can be improved. So thank you both very much for thank for you. sharing your your experience working on this project together. And um, I hope you stay in touch and uh, we uh, encourage, of course, our listeners to to check out everything that is now online uh, on Historiana and on our website. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.